0: Have you ever been called out? I've been called out more times in my life than I would really like to admit. Uh, I I remember my first day of baseball practice. My dad, he was one of the coaches. And when we got to the practice field, he asked me to grab my glove, and he said, go ahead and go out onto the field. My dad got out of the car. He retrieved all of the baseball equipment from the trunk. And, And by the time he was done, he expected me to be on the field ready to go. However, when he looked onto the field, he he realized I wasn't there. And then when he looked back to the car, I was still in my seat. You see, I, I was stuck, paralyzed, frozen. He knew that I was scared, and so he called me out on it. Now, from being called out, I had a choice. I had a choice. I could either stay in my comfort zone, or I could face the unknown, get out of the car, get out of the car and get onto the field. I remember my first time going to Kentucky Kingdom and it was the first time with just my friends. And up to that point, I really hadn't been on many roller coasters because they terrified me. But as we walked up to the biggest roller coaster in the entire park, one of my friends, he called me out and he said something like this, he said, are you coming or are you chicken? Once again, I had the choice to stay in my comfort zone or I could face my fear and actually get on the coaster. Soon after my wife Jenny and I, um, after we were married and and she became pregnant with our first child, we started having conversations of selling our home, moving into a a nicer, larger home. And at this time, we both had stable jobs with opportunity for advancement and better salaries. We were financially stable. We were comfortable. But around that same time, the Lord called me out. He began to actually call me into full-time ministry. And for many months, I just said no. No. Once again, though, I had a choice. I could stay in my comfort zone or I could face my fear of financial security and truly trust in God and what God might have in store for us. He was calling me out. Have you ever been called out? Maybe you have a blind spot in your life. Everyone knows that you get angry at the drop of a hat. And then one day somebody calls you out for that. How do you respond? Maybe someone called you out a long time ago and they've told you, hey, you you just always take the easy road. You seek comfort at all costs. You avoid pain at all costs. But you've chosen to ignore them. And and do you think that maybe staying comfortable has caused you to miss out on some really great things in your life? Maybe you're like me and fear has just caused you to pause when you face uh, decisions that, that cause you to get out of your comfort zone. You've always had someone there to call you out of your emotional or financial bubbles that you've placed yourself in. But how are you really responding? Most of us choose comfort over calling to avoid loss. But God calls us out of our comfort for our game. Please open up your Bibles with me. We are in James chapter 5, and we're going to start in verse 1 in just a moment. But today, we dive into a topic that many people don't want to talk about, and they certainly don't want to hear about. That topic is money, wealth, riches, possessions. And, And as we're going to see here in just a moment, James calls out some people when it comes to this topic. Now, as much as we don't like to talk about money, or especially as much as you probably don't want to hear a preacher talk about money, the Bible has so much to say about this topic. In fact, Jesus spoke about riches all the time, all the time. Here are just a few things that Jesus said when it comes to money. He said this, he said, do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. He also said this, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. He said, you cannot serve God and money. And Jesus said, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his what? Of his possessions. Now, over the past several weeks, we studied the book of James. We've said that this is a letter written by Jesus' half-brother named James. And in this letter, he writes to Christians and gives them insight on how to really live a Christian life. We've seen that how you respond to trials how you respond to temptation, how you speak, how you act. All of these things, they are indicators or marks of an authentic faith in Jesus. And today, we look at money. How you feel, how you think about, how you use money, wealth, possessions. These things, they're also indicators of an authentic relationship with Jesus. And so what I want to do is I want to set the foundation for this passage and start off by reading James chapter 5 and verse 1. It says this, it says, Come now, you rich. Weep and howl for the miseries that are coming upon you. Now very quickly before we get too far, I want to address who the wealthy are or who the rich are here. Um, Let's all get on the same page. So it's likely that some of you listening or watching may think that this topic does not apply to you because you're not rich, you're not wealthy, especially in the eyes of America. But I like how one pastor puts it. He says this, that anybody is rich who has more than he or she needs. You're not rich if you have just what you need. If you have no discretionary money, you're using everything to survive. But if you have any discretionary money, you're actually in the category of rich. So who are the wealthy? Those people who have more than they need to live on. So are you rich? But that leads us to another important question. Who are the rich that James is really addressing here, what we would call the wicked wealthy? They are the ones who misuse and abuse the stewardship of the discretionary money that they have. So it's not wrong to have discretionary money, but it's more about how you use it. So with this in mind, I want you to turn back and look back with me in verse 1. And we see here, James says that the love of riches leads to judgment and misery. And this is counterintuitive to what most people think about the rich. Most people aspire to have wealth and think that wealth actually brings happiness, not judgment. But James spends the next five verses calling out people and describing for us how people regularly abuse money. And to do this, James calls out four different types of people. And these traits are indicators of how you actually may feel about money. Each of these characteristics show an abuse of wealth. And the first group that he addresses here are what I would call the stockpilers. Let's read verses 2 and 3. It says this, For riches have rotted and your garments are moth-eaten. Moth-eaten. Your gold and silver have corroded and their corrosion will be evidence against you and will eat your flesh like fire. Eat your flesh like fire. You have laid up your treasure in the last days. So how do you know if you love riches? If you're a stockpiler, if you're a hoarder, now, wealth, it came in three primary forms in this agrarian society that James lived in. And so his audience, they would understand this. So there was harvested grain, there were your clothes, and there were precious metals. Okay, so James, he's calling out the wicked wealthy, and saying that you're a hoarder when your food is rotting. You, you're, you're a stockpiler when your clothes are not worn, but are actually eaten up by time. You like to accumulate stuff if you're precious metals, things like gold and silver, if they're being corroded, you're not using them. Now, why, why do we hoard things? Because so often we don't see our temporary stuff as temporary. This is why we do it. And it's even harder in our culture here in America because our money's digital. Our digital currency cannot be burned up or, or become corroded like it could in James' time. Living this way actually reminds me of Scrooge McDuck from DuckTales, one of my favorite cartoons growing up. And in the intro to this cartoon, he would have a vault full of money with a diving board in this vault, and he would dive in and swim around in his money. This is what it looks like to stockpile or hoard. Now, there's a big difference between being frugal and saving your money and then accumulating wealth for your own pleasures and comfort and safety. But when you stockpile, When you hoard, to some degree, what you're really saying is that you do not trust in the Lord for provision. Are you trusting in the Lord with your finances, with your possessions? Or maybe is God calling you out today because you're holding on too tightly to your riches? So that's the the first group. The second group that James indicts here is what I would call the scammers. Let's read verse 4. He goes on and says this, Behold, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you have kept back by fraud, are crying out against you, and the cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord of hosts. And so here's the second way that James calls out those who are abusing their wealth. He says that if you're scamming people out of the money, if you're deceiving people, if you're committing fraud, then it's obvious that you love money more than people. And in this verse, James is speaking of landlords that would withhold the income that was actually due their workers. Or the landlord would actually just take advantage because they had hand-to-mouth situations, their workers did. And they would just pay them the bare minimum. But Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 27 and 28 says this. Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to do it. Do not say to your neighbor, go and come again tomorrow, I will give it when you have it with you today? As a business owner, as a landlord, as a parent, or just as a friend, are you withholding what is due other people? If so, maybe God is calling you out of that today. The third group that we see here is what I would call the self-indulgent. The self-indulgent, let's read verse 5. It says, you have lived on the earth in luxury and in self-indulgence. You have fattened your hearts in a day of slaughter. This is a hard one, isn't it? What does this look like in our lives? Well, I think, I think that a good filter would be this one. And really, we just need to answer this question. Think about it with me this way. Do you own your money and things, or are you a steward of your money and things? One says it's mine, the other says it's his. One is holding tightly to things and the other freely gives away things. One says I earned, the other says I received, one says I deserve and the other says I am blessed. One says I'm in control, but the other says I trust in you. If you believe you truly own your things, then this may mean that you have a greedy spirit or it may be that you're leaning towards self-indulgence. Now, I don't believe that there's, I do believe that there's a difference between a life of indulgence and moments of celebration. You see, we can enjoy life. We can enjoy birthdays, holidays, anniversaries. We can go on vacation. We can experience fun and really exciting things. But if you have discretionary money and you show no generosity through giving, If you live in luxury, but you show no compassion to those in need. If you live in luxury, uh, but give nothing back to the Lord. If you live in luxury, but don't take care of your family, then riches may have a hold on your heart. Is God calling you out of this today? The final group that we see see here where he gives a warning is to what I would call the suppressors. Let's read verse 6. James writes, you have condemned and murdered the righteous person. He does not resist you. James here, he's not referring to killing people, but rather to judicial murders. He's saying that some of those that he's writing to were actually taking away the means of making a living for others. They were subjugating or suppressing people. The poor could not oppose the rich in the court system, and they were helpless. And this is taking advantage of the poor. This is taking advantage of the oppressed. In 1 Timothy, uh, we're told that the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Money and wealth have this way, they just have this way of taking hold of our hearts. It gives us a false sense of comfort when we should look to Jesus for comfort. It gives us a false sense of freedom when we should look to Jesus for freedom. It gives us a false sense of security when security only comes in a relationship with Jesus. Jesus. You see, friends, when your hands are full, you can't be open-handed for God. When your house is full, you can't invite the broken into your home. When your heart is full of your treasures, you don't make room for God to change your heart. Earlier, I spoke about some of the times that I, I was called out in my life, and, and I'm forever grateful for those moments. Being called out of our comfort zone, it pushes us to trust fully in God, and one of the greatest comfort zones that needs to be torn down, broken apart, is our reliance on riches. How might God be calling you out today? Maybe for you, God is calling you out of trusting in riches, and He wants you to trust in Jesus for the first time. I would invite you to lay aside your comforts and enter into a relationship with Jesus, who died on the cross for your gain. Or maybe today God is calling you out of trusting in the things of this world and he wants you to take the next step in your faith journey. We would love to help you make that next leap of faith. Most of us choose comfort over calling to avoid loss. But God calls us out of our comfort for our gain and for his glory. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we give you great thanks for today. And for your goodness and for your word for your truth Um, pray lord that the things that we've talked about today would really captivate our hearts that would it would change our hearts that we would see um, that it's not riches it's not wealth it's not possessions that we need to trust in but it is you god and it is a relationship with your son jesus um, that we need to trust in so help us to be generous Help us to think of others. May we lay down um, our possessions and our money for your kingdom's purposes. And we pray all of these things in the precious name of Jesus, amen.